<laughs> chat today. Our vet today, our resident vet is Kimberly. Kimberly, Dr. Kimberly. Hello, how are you doing today? What? I'm doing fine and I'm sure all pets will be fine after this show. What's, what are you, is your special subject today? Uh, we thought we might talk a little bit about Dental Health Month. August is Dental Health Month and so um, it's a few weeks ahead of that, but we thought we'll start talking about it. Yes, yeah, always good to get the teeth in order. And Daniel Carrington will be joining us. And Danny, you've got an interview lined up for us as well. Yes, Jane. G'day, Jane. I do. Um, we'll be talking to Judith Doxy. Now, she is a Sheltie breeder and a dog judge. Do you like Shelties, Jane? Oh, they're beautiful. They are, aren't they? They're sort so of like... What nit- better breed to talk about than today? Sounds... Uh, about Shelties. And this is Pet Chat on 2NURFM, and we're going to look at our special subject with Kimberly, Dr. Kimberly, today. We're talking about teeth. Teeth, yeah, teeth in pets and dental health in pets is one of the most overlooked things that we um, encounter in veterinary practice. Um, and certainly, you know, all of our pets that have teeth, we really should be looking at them. They're they're part of the whole wellness and health of the pet. Um, I think they say that by seven years of age, 80% of pets sorry, 80% of pets who get to seven years of age have some um, dental health issues if they haven't, you know, had their teeth looked at in the past. Um, and it can be a real systemic issue as well in terms of the systemic health of the dog. So high levels of um, plaque and tartar and calculus in the mouth can lead to high levels of circulating bacteria in the dog's body or the cat's body, which can then lodge in uh, other organs that filter the blood. So things like the liver and the kidneys, and these can cause problems down the track. Um, we even sometimes see heart-related trouble where you get um, a bacteria from the bloodstream that lodges on a valve of the heart and then the heart can um, develop this sort of valve problem and a murmur and can lead to heart failure potentially. Um, so and, and not only that but the mouth is a really important thing. The animals use them on, an, on a daily basis and so if they have disease in the mouth, if they have gingivitis or periodontitis we call it, um, then there's likely to be pain in the mouth and they have to eat to survive and so every time they eat it causes them pain. Um, from an owner standpoint uh, you know it, it causes bad breath so there's nothing, you don't want to cuddle up on the on, on the lounge with your dog and the dog looks up at you and gives you a bit of a pant and you think, oh, God, that breath is terrible. That bad breath is coming from um, bacteria um, and tartar and disease in the mouth. So we know, everybody knows that dogs have doggy breath, but really doggy breath should not be really bad breath. It should smell doggy, but it shouldn't be really bad. And if your dog or cat um, has, you know, developed a, a really bad odor to the mouth and there's a really good chance that they've got some infection or some disease in the mouth that they should have it looked at. So we would recommend um, every time you're your pet has a, um, an annual wellness exam, at least an annual wellness exam, if not six monthly exams, then we want your vet to be looking at the mouth and you want to really take um, heed of what they sort of say. I think in the in past years and decades, vets a lot of times would say, oh, well, there's a bit of plaque and tartar and calculus there, but it's not worthwhile putting the dog under an anesthetic to clean them up. And I think what we our perspective is changing a lot more now to where we would say, Actually, there's a little bit of plaque and tartar there. It's much better for us to anesthetize the dog now, give them a full-scale polished cleaning, take the teeth back to square one before we get to the stage of having gingivitis and periodontal disease because... Once we get to that stage, we're always chasing our tails, literally. We can never take them back to a nice, healthy mouth. If we clean off the teeth before it gets to the gingivitis and periodontal disease stage, 
then we've got a perfect clean mouth again. We never get to that stage. And we're much better off, I think, now to do a few shorter anesthetics throughout the dog's life rather than wait till they're seven or eight years of age and then do a big one where we're then pulling out teeth that have become decayed and things like that. So I think um, we need to have a bit of a perspective shift in how we look at our dog and cat's mouths um, as well as rabbit mouths and things like that. They're they're vastly overlooked as well. We need to be looking in those little critters, critters' mouths as well. So start thinking about it a bit earlier than what we used to do um, and treat it as a preventative healthcare measure rather than trying to treat it once the disease is there. So it's a fairly complex procedure. Um, when they're when they're what we call sort of grade one dentals, which is really a scale and polish similar to what you would have at the at the dentist, the human dentist, they're not very complex from a standpoint of um, you know what we do. The the difficulty is we have to anesthetize, and we just can't ask the dogs and cats to sort of lie there and let us you know scale the teeth. I don't know um, you know ultrasonic scalers are a little bit uncomfortable in the teeth. When I have my teeth done, it always makes my you know my teeth feel a bit funny, and I don't really like this feel. But I know it's good for me, so I'm just going to lie there. Very hard to get a little dog to lie there or a little cat to lie there and and go through that. So we anesthetize them. We properly examine all the teeth. We take a periodontal probe and we probe around the gum line, the line of the teeth where it meets the gum, to see if there's any pockets under there. Because a lot of the times the problems that we see or that we don't see, they're they're under the gum line. And so without feeling them with the periodontal probe, we can't sort of assess the teeth properly. And they, again, have to be asleep for that. Um, So it's the anesthetic. And the anesthetic always is what people get worried about, the anesthetic um, issues. But if we're doing them more frequently, they're much shorter, quicker anesthetics. And then the dental procedures are a lot shorter as well. So we crack off all the the calcified calculus. We use an ultrasonic scaler. We clean up all the teeth. Then we polish them and then usually rinse the mouth with um, an antiseptic rinse as well. Thank you, Kimberly, Dr. Kimberly. And we'll be back with more from Pet Chat. And it's time for our interview. Shelties are the subject with Danny Carrington. Hello, Danny. Thank you, Jane. We've got Judith Doxy on the line, and she's a dog judge, but also a Sheltie breeder, or others might know, might know the name of that breed by Shetland Sheepdog. Hi, Judith. Hi, hi, Danny. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. Um, I mean, this breed, I love this breed because they're just so cuddly, and they're a miniature version of, of the Lassie that, you know, I grew up watching on TV. <laughs> sure, so, sure. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself, though. Like, how long have you been breeding dogs for? Oh, I've, I've been breeding since 1988, so 26 years. But I've had shelties as pets long before that. So I've been involved oh, with the breed wow, probably okay. well over 30 years. Well, I'll just explain a little bit about the look of the shelter. But could you go in a little bit more detail? Yeah, absolutely right in what they look like. So everybody knows Lassie, but they're actually a much smaller version. They're, they're, so that instantly gives you an visual of what they look like. Um, they're a brighter, more active dog than a Collie Ruff. Um, they're a little bit more laid back. Um, they are a coated breed, so there is grooming involved. Not a great deal. They look harder to look after than they are. That's basically, um, they are pretty easy care, but there is grooming involved and they'll need to be groomed the rest of their life. So up for 14 years of grooming at least. Okay. Um, basically they're, when I said they're a nice down to size dog, you can easily pick them up in one arm. You know, a full mature male probably is eight and a half kilos. A bitch is around um, okay. seven kilos. So, yeah. What What was the breed bred to do, and where was it? Uh, where does it originally come from? Well, they, they were 
as the name suggests, they're a sheepdog. So they were originally bred in off the Scotland Islands, in the Shetland Islands, and it's a rather harsh climate there. So that's why they needed those those big, thick coats. And they had to be a sure-footed, active dog. Um, Shetland Islands are a very harsh climate. It's all rocky, so they need to be able to um, jump, climb, you know, and survive in the cold weather and well themselves. Now, you mentioned in terms of grooming, but what we'll do is think about what kind of families would be suited to, to that type of breed or dog. And obviously, it's got to be someone who does like to do a bit of grooming. Yes. So basically, um, they are a family dog. So I know a lot of people want their dog just to live in the backyard, feed it once a day, make sure it's got water, and that's it. Shelfies want to be a part of the family life. So they can still be outside, but they want to be involved with everything, you know, and sort of it's, that's all they want out of life, just to please their owner. So they're great with kids. They're great with adults, old people. So they, they excel at agility, obedience. They're a very intelligent dog. And as I said, like, if you're a sit-around person, they'll just sit with you. If you're a very active person, you know, they'll go out there and help you dig in the garden and um, go jogging and things like that with you as well. If they're not kept active, can they be a bit of a nuisance? They're not, they're not sort of obsessive workers, not like some of the kelpies and cattle dogs might be. They need something for their mind or even border collies, you know. They, they're not obsessive with their work. They tend to, and some lines are different to others, but in general they're not, they don't have an, a high work drive, you know. They're not going to drive somebody crazy with it. Um, as I said, like if you're a sit-around person, they're just going to sit around with you as well. And being a smaller dog, they don't need a large yard to keep active. What level of grooming would they require? Is it something that you need to do daily? No, probably weekly at least. Um, and these days people can get um, mobile dog groomers or take them to grooming parlours and do it. But you've got to understand that like, if, if you're going to do this for the rest of the dog's life, that could end up an expense. You might, not, you might be able to afford it now, you might not later. So yep. the best thing is if you can do your grooming or if you're um, comfortable doing that, that's, that's much better for the dog. Yeah, it's bonding time, isn't it? It is, and they do you do get to enjoy it. So, and you get to see, you know, every inch of their skin. So you know, if there's a problem there, and you know, the more you groom them, you know, one of the reasons you have these breeds is because of their great beauty. Their coat is their crown and glory. So the more time you put into the coat, you know, the more beautiful they're going to be. <laughs> do they come in different colours? They do, and there's, there's a bigger range of colours in this breed than there is in the Collie Ruff. So they, we have the okay. same colours. So we have the sables, which are the um, brown-coloured ones with the white markings, and that can range from pale yep. gold to almost black. Um, then you've got the tri-colours, which are basically black with tan and white markings. And then you'll have the blue merle, which is sort of um, a grey colour, like cattle dog sort of colour, but splashed and marbled with black with the tan and white markings. Yeah. Where we differ from collies is we also have um, what's termed bi-colours, meaning two colours. Um, so you can get the blue merle without any tans on it and you can get similar to the tri-colour without any tans. So they're just black and white or blue and white. Okay. I guess um, what I'd like to ask uh, the next question is, in terms of genetic issues with the breed that people would like to know about before deciding to, to buy a Sheltie? 
most breeders do test for some things. One of them is collie eye anomaly. It doesn't generally affect the dog's vision. We all test for it, but it's not a degenerative disease. So whatever it is at eight weeks when we get the eye tested, eyes tested by the ophthalmologist, it doesn't it doesn't get any like doesn't deteriorate at all okay and this in its mild form it's only like somebody wearing glasses it's not going to affect the dog's life somebody says that gives you a certificate saying it's got mild um anomaly it's not going to affect it whatsoever doesn't affect anything okay there is a more severe eye issue um but it can't be tested for until they're after seven so but it's rarely seen here in australia so um, most breeders do get their stock tested as mature adults as well. Um, I don't know any, any instances of people with that issue at this point in time. Another thing, okay. in general, most people know about hip dysplasia, so um, that's not a big problem in the breed. Most people do test for it. Being a smaller breed, even if they've got, even if they don't have perfect hips, that doesn't usually affect them. Okay, but um, basically, if the both parents have been tested, you, you know that you know the, the are going to be of similar quality. So um, generally quite a sturdy breed, really. Absolutely. And long-lived. They're usually, you know, 12, 14, 17 years old. If, if someone was willing to uh, look at getting a puppy, a sheltie puppy, is there some official website that they can, or organisations they can call or look up to give them some information? Well, number one site for any breed is to contact Dogs New South Wales. So that's the um, main governing body for dog breeders in New South Wales. Um, they can also put you in touch with, or you can search on the internet for Shetland Sheepdog Club of New South Wales. So, And they'd be happy to discuss the breed at any time with you. Um, and there are some websites available. One that comes to mind, a lot of people do put their profiles of their dogs up on is um, dogsonline.com.au. Yeah, dogsonline.com.au. It's dogs with a Z, okay? So all breeds are up there, so you can do a little bit of research on breed and breeders. Sounds really good. Excellent. So, thank you for your time. It's not a breed we, don't, we see a lot of. And I think it should be. I think it's a great breed for people to have. And, and hopefully after explaining that, there might be some interest in the breed. <laughs> yes, they're very popular and everybody that sees them loves them. This is Pet Chat on 2NURFM. And we are very happy to take your calls. Dr. Kimberley has hopefully lots of answers for lots of calls. And we have a call to start us off at the moment with Pet Chat. Hello, who are we talking to? Oh, it's yes, Peter, is it? Hello, yes, Peter. Peter. Yes, Peter. Yes, good. Hello, you... Kimberly. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing, Peter? Very well, very well. Kimberly, I've got a um, a Labrador. Um, she's four years old. Mm-hmm. She's in pup. Um, yep. She. We've watched her diet pretty closely right from the word go. Okay. Um, so it was you know they are food motivated. Yes. Um, should I be changing it out now? She only has a dry food diet. That's um, occasionally she will get some some wet food, but she'd like, like, like raw meat or something like that and bones and stuff, but 
should I be changing her diet? Uh, so how far along are the pups? Like how far along is the, is the pregnancy? Uh, she's at six weeks now. Okay, yeah. So definitely what we want to do at this stage is we want to pop, pop her onto a dry puppy food. Um, she needs to be onto a puppy food variety because we need to get the extra calories in there because she'll struggle at this stage now. The pups are in their last couple weeks of development, um, yep. and so that's the, the part is, that's most taxing on her body. So in order to get enough calories for her her own body as well as the puppies to grow properly, she'll need to be on a, um, a higher caloric density food, and so the puppy food is ideal for that. Uh, okay. And pretty much at this stage, um, you know, you, you can really make sure that you're increasing the amount that she's getting or even potentially feeding her ad lib provided she wasn't a fat dog prior to becoming pregnant no she's not she's i mean she's a labrador but she's not yeah. she's not obese and she's not overweight or anything but good just, um i just don't want her going going down that path that's yeah. all you know we, we're trying to keep her a trim dog yeah no that's fine i mean when she's pregnant we really don't want to be restricting her food so i would say at this stage you want to be able to uh, make sure she's getting at least two meals a day and she yep. can pretty much have just about what she wants you know within reason obviously we don't want her to, to totally gorge um but i would expect <laughs> that she should be eating you know sort of two to two and a half cups of dry food twice a day roughly at this stage um, and then once the puppies are born, it actually takes more energy and it's more taxing on your body to produce milk for a litter of puppies yep. than it does to, to raise them or to, to grow them inside. Um, so then really we do say that once she's breastfeeding or nursing puppies, we want her to have ad lib access to dry food. So we yep, pretty right much up. want her to be free fed. And what okay. you'll find is that even dogs that are free fed, um, most Labradors will fit within this, Labradors and Golden Retrievers, they will still lose so much weight when they're feeding puppies, particularly if she has a big litter so if she's got more than six puppies she will drop weight like nothing i mean she will become you know pretty skinny um, and that's normal um but it's normal and once the puppies have weaned off of her she'll put that weight back on and that's the time then once the puppies have weaned off is to take her off of the puppy food so um I let her feed with with puppy food until the puppies are weaned from her Okay, all right. Thank you very much, Kimberly. You're very welcome. Good luck. Thanks, okay. Peter. And uh, speaking about diet and meals and things, uh, do dogs do better with uh, the odd meal here and there, like all through the day grazing, or is it better to feed them once or twice? No, well, I, I feed my dog twice a day. So dogs really are opportunistic feeders, um, and so they should be coming and eating the food that you're putting down for them. So one of the problems we see in some dogs that are free-fed when they're not pregnant, they're just you know out and about and they have food that, that they graze on, um, is they do have a hard time regulating their, their diet. Not all dogs, but a large percentage of them do. Like and Labradors. So, like Labradors, yeah. My Golden Retriever, she would eat all day if I let her. So what I usually tell people is make, make, her, make them an opportunistic feeder. Um, feed them two square meals a day. Some people will feed once a day. That's probably okay as well, although I think sometimes the, the begging behaviors increase if they're only getting fed once a day. Um, and they should be eating all the food you put down for them at the time you're putting it down. So if they're not eating the food you're putting down for them, you're feeding them too much. Now, that's in a healthy dog, but really they should be eating all the food you're putting down. And if they're not, you're feeding them too much. You need to cut it back. We're taking your calls on 49216216 for Pet Chat on 2NURFM. And Evelyn has rung in. And Evelyn, you've got a question about a dog with a heart problem. Oh, yes, it's, it's more than a heart problem. We've, she's taking pills for the heart problem. She's 16. She just doesn't eat commercial dog food at all. Right. Well, she just wants to eat what she wants to eat. And she's really a little bag of bones. So... We've just given in, and we just feed her what she wants, which is usually chicken or, you know, yep. just, just meat. 
Yeah, it's a lot harder in these little old dogs. That's why I, I wanted to put the caveat on that last statement about healthy dogs. Um, you know, she's a 16-year-old dog. She's got some heart problems. Really, at this stage, you know, we can treat her with a little bit of special care and sort of say, you know, whatever she'll eat, she'll eat. So it's certainly worthwhile having a bit of um, dog food available to her for, you know, the odd time when she might want a little, a little, you know, peck at it. Um, yeah. But really, you know, I think tempting her with some things, barbecue chicken, um, cooked chicken and rice, that sort of thing often works really well. The important things are to make sure um, that it's not you know overly fatty even though you say she's skinny we don't want to hit her with a high fat meal um, mm. if she is skinny you know you can sometimes add a little bit of um, you know sort of fish oil small amounts of fish oils to the diet um, uh. to help sort of bulk up the, the calories that she's getting a little bit so if she's yeah. only picking at her food and not having really good meals then they do sometimes have a hard time um, maintaining their sort of normal body weight and it's sometimes like you know some um, elderly people as well we have a harder time sometimes taking all the calories we need in for what we're doing um, and just making sure that she is having regular checks with her regular veterinarian because things with the heart conditions can change quite frequently so if this is a new change and it's only happening happened in the last couple of weeks and it could be that there's been something happening going on with the heart no, she might need no, a medication she, adjustment she's just had a vet check good and he he said she's doing okay and he yeah. said she'll probably get skinnier I mean, yeah well uh, we've just given in now i just thought right she's just gonna get what she wants Absolutely. I think that's not yeah. a problem. In a 16-year-old dog with a heart problem, whatever you can get into her, you know, try a few different varieties of different smelly tinned food or you might try some tuna or, um, you know, sardines, things like that. Sometimes that can help. Well, on Pet Chat today, it's definitely time to see, have a look at our Pet of the Week and Sarah Farley-Adams joins us. Yes, good afternoon. Look, I've got to say it's Pets of the Week this week and I absolutely love this one. Let me just read you the description that the foster carer has written for these two beautiful boys and you can see exactly what I'm talking about by going to 2NURFM.com, clicking on Lifestyle Shows and clicking on Pet Chat. Why settle down with one distinguished gentleman when you can settle down with two? Cody and Leo are the Sean Connery and George Clooney of the canine world, and they are the perfect pair. They are dressed to impress with their classic black and white suits, and they will always look the part, whether you're having a quiet night in or strolling through the park. Leo is a Border Collie cross Labrador. He's approximately eight to nine years old, and Cody is his Border Collie father, who's around 11 years old. Being a little bit more mature, this father and son duo know when you want to snuggle on the lounge or when you want to hit the town. These gents are happy to share the special human in their lives and for this reason will be moving in with you together. They both enjoy a regular stroll through the streets and are working on containing their excitement at being on your arm when they first leave the house. Cody has, a, has the smooth moves and stands on hind legs, wrapping his paws around your waist to embrace you, to show you he cares. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Now, they're both great with other dogs. They're happy to be in the yard as long as they are together. Uh, they both panic if they are separated, so they're very close. Neither are great with cats. They'll chase them um, and any small animals. So if you've got cats or other small animals, they're not for you. But look, they've been around children. They're fantastic with kids. Um, they're just lovely boys. So they're confident enough to not have to smother you constantly and all day, but they do need your attention and some dedicated time, so preferably indoors of an evening, if possible. So if you are looking for double the fun and double the love in your life, then look no further than this sophisticated pair, and they truly look like gorgeous gents. If you go check out the picture, Cody and Leo, they've been looking for a family for a very long time, um, obviously because you are adopting 
to not one. But, Kimberly, as you pointed out before, they are more mature, so obviously they're a lot calmer and the commitment isn't as long as if you're getting a puppy. That's right. Yeah, you don't have to look at a 14-year commitment. You're looking more at a, well, it looks like for Cody, he's 11, so he's a middle, you know, a large breed to to middle-sized dog. So he's probably going to be around for another two to five years and um, uh, Leo a little bit longer than that. But, yeah, somebody who's looking for a mature-age dog that's going to be a a companion but maybe not, you know, 14 or 15 years of a commitment. That's great. So I suppose they look after each other if they're together. They are quite self-sufficient, so they are happy to be in the yard together. Um, They're just beautiful, and I really would love to see them go to a great home. Um, These guys are gorgeous. So if you are interested and it sounds like something for you, please head to 2NURFM.com and check them out, or you can always go to the Dog Rescue website, which is dogrescuenewcastle.com.au. But they're just gorgeous, and I think (laughs) describing them as Sean Connery and George Clooney sums them up to a T because in this photo they're wearing sort of a scarf each and they're just adorable. They have wonderful smiles. They <laughs> do. Love a border collie. Two NURFM's Pet Chat. It's five to one and Dr. Kimberley getting towards the end of the show. But are there any other things we should be thinking about in winter, problems that we might have with our pets? Yeah, this time of year we certainly see a, um, a large variety of pets that are coming in with issues with arthritis. Um, so particularly your older dogs and cats. And I think arthritis in cats Cats is um, overlooked quite a lot because cats, as they get older, tend to be a lot more sedentary. So, you know, people might see their older cat and, oh, he's sitting on the back of the lounge. He hasn't really moved a lot. Um, But we do certainly identify arthritis in cats as an issue as well. Um, So have a look at your pets and sort of see what's happening with them, particularly as they're getting up in the morning um, when it's been cold. Um, Dogs outside, you know, if they've been lying outside in a bed and they get up and their bones and joints are a bit stiff and creaky, um, you might notice that they're really slow to get up. You might notice that their gait when they first get up is really stilted um, or that they, you know, sort of want to make a big stretch. You know, everybody likes to have a big stretch in the morning, but they might um, not stretch to the same degree that you you sort of would think is normal. Um, So they might have some stiffness and soreness there. And and we can certainly um, put these guys on a variety of different things or start a program for them to help sort of um, support them through that. And that might be uh, joint support agents, things that can help um, prevent or reduce the onset of arthritis, or it might be actually anti-inflammatories for the ones that are a little bit worse that need some actual pain relief. Sounds like people, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Stretching, getting yep. up in the morning, mm, mm. not doing it quite as easily. Well, thank you, Dr. Kimberly. You're very and, welcome. Uh, that's just about Pet Chat for today, and we'll be back next uh, Wednesday after the Midday News with more Pet Chat.